Upworthy Weekly, delivering the best of humanity every Saturday. Here's your hosts, Allison Rosen and Todd Perry. Hey everybody, this is Upworthy Weekly. My name is Todd Perry and with me is the wonderful Allison Rosen. You know her from Allison Rosen as your new best friend and from doing guest appearances on just about every podcast imaginable over the last three weeks. I have, I have been out there hitting it pretty hard. I got to get the word out about Upworthy Weekly, Todd. I don't know if you know, but this is a pretty great show. I, you know, you've been out there promoting it on many different shows. And I think um, my wife has been telling people at her, her work about. Oh, you good. Know, you know, so I think it's equal. It's parody here. You're, you're talking to tens of thousands of people mm-hmm. and uh, the lunchroom at the elementary school where she works very, very big on the show. So I'm also doing my part too, is what I'm saying. By asking your wife to tell people she works with at her school. Is she telling students as well? Because you got to get them when they're young. I know, but I feel like some of the material we go over might be a little risque for the elementary set. Perhaps. I like, that's nice of you. Yeah. That's nice of you to look out for their tender sensibilities. But I'm saying anybody right now that they're like driving the kids to school and listening to the show, it's totally fine to, you know, blare it. There's no yeah. no cursing on this show, you know. Um, so Which has not been easy, by the way. Really? You're having a hard time with it? <sighs> Bad words just like fall out of my <laughs> mouth. Um, and so I've been conscious of trying to keep them in my mouth so I have a ma- by the end I have a mouthful of bad words that I haven't been able to use and then I just have to like let them all out in one blast you're just old Bumble Clark yeah did you say bu- oh Bumble Clark yeah yeah <laughs> yes oh Bumble Clark That's- no but you know what has what has been happening to me is if I because I'm also a kind of a clumsy person yeah. so if I trip on something or catch my finger in something lately I will accidentally use a word that I don't really want my kids to be repeating in front of them. Uh, so that's something I need to, you have, your, your son is a little bit older than mine are. I need to get that under control. I had the best moment with that was one time when my kid was probably like, I don't know, two and three quarters. If you mm-hmm. use three quarters in describing a child's age. Uh, and we were driving at a very large supermarket truck just like pulled in front of my little ev as big huge stater brothers truck pulls right in front so i dropped like a huge os you know <laughs> in the car like loud oh oh bumble clark yeah yeah oh freaking wagon you know i i did a jerry lewis no um but i drop a big os in the car and then my son right behind me goes os like <laughs> yeah they do and and i was thinking like Okay, I don't want to make a big deal because then I don't want him saying it all the time. But also, like, that was an appropriate time for me to curse in front of a child. When a large truck was pulling right in front, you know, it's like you want to tell the kid, look, it's not good to curse. But if you're going to, this is when you use the curse words. This is when they feel best. This is what they're designed for. Right. You know. but But you didn't use that as a teachable moment at that time? No, I don't. I, even if you had, I don't think he would have understood exactly. No, it, it would have been way over his head. Uh, so, and also, I was like reacting, like I had a big stress response to almost mm-hmm. being killed by a grocery store truck. So, right, you know. But well, listen, I'm glad it all worked out. Yeah, it's all fine. <laughs> so, Allison Rosen, what do you got? Okay, well, story here. Girl says women act like mothers and men like children when in love sparks debate. Uh, and that is by Seth Raman S. And it ran on Wednesday. So this is a, a video that was posted on TikTok by a user named Lucia Davu. And it featured uh, a cute montage between her and her boyfriend. And then the on-screen text in someone else's voice says, when a boy is truly in love, he will act like a child. And then it was followed by images of, of the boy kind of goofing around. And then it says, but when a girl is truly in love, she will act like a mother. And then followed by images of her hugging him in a motherly fashion. And you might be thinking, what does that mean? But specifically, she was hugging him and her head was kind of above his. 
Uh, so in, you know, a, a maternal motherly fashion. So people freaked out over this. Uh, many TikTok users pointed out the Freudian themes, while a few others noted that women need to stop, quote, mothering their boyfriends and actually get into mature relationships. Uh, here's here's a comment from someone. This makes me want to vomit. <laughs> Boys, a.k.a. 30-plus-year-old men, want a barely legal girl and want to act like a child themselves and her to be their mom? Uh, another said, oh, oh, a woman said, we were made to be, quote, nurturing and caring, not their mothers. It's totally different. They pick out girls with the characteristics of their mother. Uh, some commenters urged these dudes to get into therapy uh, and felt the nature of the relationship was a red flag in itself. Quote, when a boy is truly in love, he'll expect his partner to take care of them instead of being a gr- let me Let me do that one again. Uh. When a boy is truly in love, he'll expect his partner to take care of them instead of being a grown-up, is what I hear here, one user noted. Uh, another person said, maybe it's a good thing I'm not in love. And then another, with I think the best comment, once again, I find myself grateful to be a lesbian. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, that has got to be a wonderful feeling. You know, you're just... To think I don't have to take part in this insanity. Yes, you know, I think the woman who wrote this uh, idea that she's, you know, a, that a, a woman becomes like a mother, mm-hmm. I think it it seems to me, and looking at the photo that she shared, it's like she has like a Madonna complex. <laughs> and I don't mean the pop star. She wants like a, a babe on her bosom. Yes. Um, and yeah, I think she's just misappropriating her feelings in that she needs to get a dog probably or mm-hmm. she just needs to have have some offspring because this is this is not appropriate. I you know I I was looking at the the, Im- the the images in the montage and I was thinking if this voiceover wasn't and the words on screen weren't there would I necessarily think this guy is acting like a child and she's acting like a mother. And, you know, having seen the series of images, not really. Mostly what I get from it is like these two people really want to make out and they want everyone else to see them make out. There's a little too much making out in my look. I don't want to be a prude, but come on. So there's they, they seem super into each other. And then he was like goofing around, but it wasn't like he was what's like a real two year old thing to do throwing a tantrum or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he was, but he, but he was being playful. So I get that. And then she was being maternal, but I don't know. It made me think of a moment that uh, is truly, truly a low for your own Alison Rosen. That's ah. me. Uh, I was dating this guy. He was younger than I was. I lived in New York city. He lived in long Island. So I lived in a very, you know, city environment and he was out in the suburbs and I, he had this little house. Um, and so I was hanging out with him and I did, I hope you can hear the discomfort that I have with even saying this, his laundry and folded it. And why did I do that? It was way, thank you. You look, you want, you look like you want to vomit yourself. Yeah. I don't know what happened. To, I don't know what happened to me. It was like, some I swear, and the reason I point out that I lived in a city and I was now in the suburbs was it was like something about the fact that we were in a little house made me decide it like it I I decided to just start playing house. It, I feel I feel very uncomfortable with it as well. And the reason I feel so uncomfortable is because I think if I were him, I would be like, why is this? <laughs> stranger doing my laundry and I think at the time I was like he's gonna be impressed with how I don't know wiferly I am or something but instead I think it was like very much an overstep did he did he vocalize to you that he was creeped out by it is he like only in the sense that we didn't hang out that much longer but he never said specifically like you folded my shirt why did you do that that is super weird he didn't say that I just think in general I was moving way too fast yes I mean that's right up there with you know making you know we're gonna buy our burial plot next to each other right you know (laughs) I know I know I don't know how much we've gotten into my relationship history but it's pretty but it's pretty embarrassing and Here's what happened. Maybe he was quiet about it to you, but when he saw his friends at the bar yeah. later that night, he's like, this girl, <laughs> she did my laundry. 
laundry. Whoa. And folded it. She is sprung on me. Like, oh my god, it's so embarrassing. She it's went so embarrassing. She went full it's laundry. Not, you know what? Maybe this is why I seldom do my husband's laundry. Because I know he would love for me to do his laundry, but I'm just kind of like, look, we're all adults here. Um, <laughs> in fact, he'll be, he, would, he, he can never know this story. Because if he knew this, then he'd be like, you did the laundry of some guy you barely knew, but you won't even do mine. And, and we are married and we do live together. So. Yeah, he's going to be like, what did he have that I didn't? That he, you went straight to, uh, I need to fold this man's laundry. <laughs> There's no, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Right. And it's really just I've been burned by laundry. It's not literally. It, it, did you make sure everything was, like, creased nicely and, you know, the I shirts were done perfectly? And No, I didn't starch and iron, <laughs> but I did try. Like, I'm not the best at fo- I'm not good at wrapping gifts, and I'm not great at folding. Um, but I did try to make a neat pile. Got it. I don't know. I, it's amazing to me that I thought that he would be like, Wow. What a catch. I think you made a good point earlier in noting that the woman was really portraying her relationship as ideal. And I think that's what she was really getting to, like saying, we've reached this kind of relational perfection where he treats me like a mother and I treat him like a child. Because like, if you were as good of a woman as me, you would turn any man childlike, right? Yeah, and I don't think that's accurate. It's almost like a John and Yoko kind of thing where they would pose mm. with her standing there and him naked holding yes. her yeah. and about that type of thing. I think she's going down that road. And I also think that John and Yoko were very big into promoting themselves as this ideal couple because they were right. so kind of maligned that they fought back by saying, no, yeah. we're actually the best, you know? Yeah. And they're right. probably narcissists as well. Yeah. Listen, people who are, are high on themselves everyone's figuring it out. Everyone has good parts. Everyone has bad parts. You aren't all that. Now, I'd like to issue a decree from the king of good news that (laughs) this is going to be a super wholesome story. Ooh. There's wholesome, and then there's like sticky, sweet wholesome, you know? Yeah. It's almost disgusting it's so wholesome. Like, mm. So... But this is what people Do you need come... me to like drop some f bombs in it. Ah, maybe just to like, uh, uh, like get in yank. Bumble Clark. <laughs> just like you know, you gotta have the salty with the sweet. You know, yeah. it's like why some right. people are like they put a lot of salt in their uh, chocolate chip cookies, which I think is actually kind of gross. But they say yeah, or they put they put bacon on their maple cupcake, which I have to say, the first time I tried it, I was like, I'm ready to be transported to some to, to some new flavor town with Guy Fieri. Um, but instead, I just thought, nope, it just tastes like a cupcake that someone put bacon on, and I'm not here for it. I think that was about eight years ago when people went a little it far was. with the bacon. Yeah. That was right around the time of, of the considered cocktail where it's like you, you didn't get a drink unless it took the guy nine minutes and he put an orange peel in it. <laughs> and he was right. dressed, dressed like the Pringles man. Those were dark days. I didn't like that. That's when I finally felt old was when people started with the Pringles man look. Uh, I was like, yes. ah, I, don't, I don't know about these hipsters. I'm, I'm used to, you mm-hmm. know, thrift store. Fat, faster hipsters. Yeah. These hipsters are taking too long. Yeah. Yeah. Paul Rudd and Jeffrey Morgan bought a candy store and kept it from shutting down after the owner died. This is sweet. You've got candy store and Paul Rudd, who's like right up there with Keanu Reeves in terms of, you know, sexy, perfect, perfect people, you know? Yeah, I love Paul Rudd. This is news. It was news to me that he's married. Um, So I didn't know that. Good for him, you know, but still. Samuel Sweet Shop, a candy store with an old world charm, recently celebrated its 21st anniversary. The shop that's been an integral part of the community in Rhinebeck, New York. Do you know where that is, Rhinebeck? I've heard of it. I'm assuming upstate New York. Okay. I mean, yeah. It, uh, it almost shut down in 2014 when its owner, Ira Gutner, passed away. It was Paul Rudd, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, I guess he's an actor, and their spouses... Yes, he was in, he was in Grey's Anatomy. Ah. Who decided to buy the shop to maintain it as it was, as a gift to themselves and the community. 
They had been coming here for ages, just like so many others in the area, and couldn't stand the thought of the establishment shutting down. While the sweet shop may have had the backing of popular movie stars, the management is essentially local people. John Traver, who started working for Gutner at the age of 15, is now running the shop. So isn't that sweet knowing that this guy, big-time Hollywood star, is living in this small place and allegedly is uh, upstate New York and that he is preserving a candy store for the community? Uh, this has Lifetime movie written all over it after he becomes single. And then a woman um, had, finds this guy, this magical man who owns a candy store. And as uh, yes. she's sipping a latte uh, and wearing really warm clothing, uh, they have a meet cute in the candy store. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she comes in and she's like, I don't know. I don't really. I don't know if I like sweets, but it's like I don't even know why she's there. She doesn't know, but she thinks she doesn't. And then he's like, "Let me just pick out one thing for you." And she's like, "I know. I'm. I. It's not. I don't think it's for me." He's like, "Just give me a chance." And then he hands her, I don't know, something that he thinks is perfect for her, and she takes a bite, and she's like, "Oh my god!" Yeah. But in a you know more understated way. Listen, uh, I just, I had, because I mentioned Long Island earlier, I had to see how far is Rhinebeck from the location in which I folded (laughs) a man boy's laundry. It's two hours and 42 minutes. Oh, so that's, that's pretty damn far. Kind of far. Yeah. Yeah. It is upstate New York. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Long Island. Still, It's in the same region of the of the country, you know? Okay. So, wow, they bought a candy shop. That is the most wholesome, sweet thing ever. I didn't even know they were friends. I, I didn't know that either. But actually, I didn't even know who the Grey's Anatomy guy was. So I yeah, it was kind of out of my purview. But I was thinking to myself, like, you know, if I had a whole bunch of money just lying about, like, what kind of business, what kind of cute business would I open? And I want to know what mm-hmm. you'd get into, Allison. But my thought would be I would open up a drive-in movie theater. Because I was thinking about this. Because during the pandemic, that's like one of the few things I could actually do was go to the drive-in. And there's kind of two in the LA area that I'd alternate in between. And one one of them is kind of in a state of disrepair. And another one's like in, in, in nice shape. But I thought I would get one and I'd make it or I just buy the, the Rhodium, which is in Torrance, which they, they don't really show movies anymore, but it was right by where I grew up going to the drive-in. And uh, it, it looks all old school, like, you know, like 1954. Like, people probably watched Westerns there. And they mm-hmm. used to have, like, the speakers that you clip on the car. Yeah. You know? And I was like, I'd show new movies, of course, on 35-millimeter film. And then, like, then I'd show old movies, you know? So maybe you'd watch, like, a modern horror film, and then you'd see, like, Psycho after that or something, right? And also, I would inflict my taste in film on the community, and I'd be so rich that it wouldn't really matter um, whether people went or not, you know? It would just be like, maybe snobby film people would go. I don't know. But I think that would just be fun. This doesn't doesn't feel like a gift to the community. This feels like just uh, like more jewels in the king of new media's, I mean, king of good news's crown. Oh, it could be a part of the greater media empire. Yeah, and then maybe <laughs> yeah. at the, maybe at the beginning it would be like 1984 where they have like Goldberg come out and start talking to everybody with a two minutes hate. But it would be me right. explaining the film before it, you know. Oh, my God. Maybe giving a review. <laughs> oh, my God. You've lost my business. <laughs> and I'm wearing a crown. Oh, my God. Hear ye, hear ye. <laughs> Those of you who are about to watch Clifford the Big Red Dog, there's been a royal decree. Let's get to you some just good- hear, like, tires squealing and me driving away. Yeah. Um, question for you. I've actually never been to a drive-in, which is, I know it's insane. Um, and I would like to go to one. So the speakers that clip into your car, are, that's a thing of the past. Now is it just the movie is, there's just speakers and it's quite loud and you can hear it from any car that's in the uh, parking lot? No, you do it through your uh, radio. So you oh, you turn on the FM, neat. and the FM sounds pretty good. So uh, I have an electric car, so it's awesome. I don't have to worry about my battery dying because it just runs mm-hmm. off the car battery. So yeah. it's kind of optimal for the drive-in. But uh, no, so then you just turn on your ignition every once in a while so you don't kill your battery if you have a gas power. Right. Um, but yeah, and so then you just get it in your car, and then let's just say you wanted to drink some alcohol. It's not a problem because you just sit in your car, <laughs> have a beer, 
you know, maybe two beers, maybe, you know, three beers if you're not driving. And, um, but two, if you are, come on over the course of two hours and given my okay. body weight, I guess you're right. That puts right. me at like 0.07. Okay. And that's, you know, it's, do you have the chart laminated <laughs> in my back pocket? It's all, <laughs> yeah, my back pocket, I've got the chart laminated and a condom. And, uh, <laughs> so, uh, I was thinking, what business would I save? And I like the idea of a candy. You want it to be a business where you're like, oh my gosh, now I have access to all this stuff or like I've got the run of the place or whatever. So I like the idea of a candy shop. A younger me would like that. Um, I was thinking, because this is, you know, in a fantasy universe, uh, I would like to save a theme park. Because Ah. how cool would that be? I, like kind of like we bought a zoo, but we bought Knott's Berry Farm or something. Yes, that's a good one. I haven't been there in years, but I've been thinking how I need to go back to Knott's Berry Farm. So yeah, and then it's just like you instantly get to go to the run of the the front of the line. You get oh. access to it when it's closed. I mean, that's every person's dream. Well, it's my dream. Well, again, this is seeming less like you're giving back to the community of Buena Park by buying Knott's Berry Farm, and more like oh yeah, Allison doesn't want to wait in line for the log ride. I mean, can't it be both? It can. It can. Or, oh, you know what you yeah. could do if you own the place? You could really have your run of things and have a lot of good time. Like, you could go get, like, the famous chicken they have at the restaurant. Yeah. And you can get yeah. a big bucket of chicken and sit on the log ride while eating a bucket of chicken and just experiencing pure, unadulterated joy. Until I choke on the chicken while going down the giant flume. But what a way to go. <laughs> like, if you're going <laughs> to so die. embarrassing, but yeah. yeah you know or you know you could have two beers if you're if you're you're driving and you know you can you can be (laughs) sitting in the log ride with you know having a cerveza then it would be like she died by aspirating her own vomit and a chicken bone while (laughs) while mid flume yeah it'd be like she sorry i have to go to such a dark place she pulled a Jimi hendrix and a mama cass in the same sitting (laughs) There you are with references that will definitely resonate with our new young listeners. Mama Cass, come to the show. very famous rapper these days. Uh, <laughs> what, that would no, be a good like rapper name, don't you think? Like Mama Cass, yes, yes, it would. What was Mama Cass's real first name? Do you know? Cass Elliot. Oh right. Speaking of uh, children. Mm. which I only only barely was, but I feel like children would be going to this theme park. Um, so you may have heard that the Pope made some uh, sort of interesting, slightly controversial statements late, lately, uh, recently. So headline, Twitter users have some interesting thoughts about the Pope's stance on people who raise pets and not kids. And this was by Jissa Joseph, and it ran on Tuesday. So the Pope was speaking to a general audience about St. Joseph, Uh, And he said, we see that people do not want to have children or just one and no more. And many, many couples do not have children because they do not want to, or they have just one, but they have two dogs, two cats. Yes, dogs and cats take the place of children. Yes, it's funny. I understand. The fact that he said that made me wonder, like, did the audience giggle? Um, But it is the reality. And this denial of fatherhood or motherhood diminishes us. It takes away our humanity. And in this way, civilization becomes aged and without humanity because it loses the richness of fatherhood and motherhood. And our homeland suffers as it does not have children. A little redundant, Pope. We get the point. And then he said, we need to be open to motherhood and fatherhood. Otherwise, we can be lacking in ourselves and we can lack in humanity. Uh, So uh, people had a strong reaction to this, which I'll get into. But just, you know, it's interesting because what I thought he said and the way it was spun was that people who don't have children are selfish. And I was going to and I, you know, you hear that a lot. And I was going to say, actually, you could make the argument both you and I have have kids. You can make an argument. There's nothing more selfish than deciding you need to have kids, than deciding, like, I'm so great, there needs to be more of me in the world. Yes, I need to Xerox myself. <laughs> right. And I, I, yeah, I need a, a living testament to my own greatness. Yeah, and- I am not comfortable with perishing, so therefore I need some version of me to persist. 
And I think, and the Pontifex, if I'm not wrong, uh, I believe that he's very, very pro environment, right? He's been he's talked a lot about climate change, and he's been very good on that issue. And is the Pontifex the Pope? Yeah, I think that's like the really fancy. Okay. Like his like uh, that, yeah, his Twitter handle is like at Pontifex, which is like oh. Pretty, pretty nice. badass. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice. Uh, oh, no. I'm so, I did a Borat. No, never. That's There is nothing lower. You said before making fun of someone's name was the lowest comedy. Actually, doing yeah. a Borat at any right. moment. You're not going to do the show next week, are you, after I did that? You're gonna no, be this, like- is our, this is our final show. It's been a fun run, but you uh, did Borat, and so... I don't think this can continue. Anyway, go ahead. At Pontifex. At Pontifex is his name on Twitter. And and so, yes, you're making the point that actually having a lot of kids uses up a whole bunch of resources mm-hmm. and may not be the best thing for the planet. So the Pope's trying to have thing both, things both ways, but I'm sure he probably mm-hmm. would take a little bit more global warming to have a few more Catholics, you know? Right, right. It does seem like an, a desire to repopulate the Catholic to refill the Catholics. Um, But so anyway, a lot of people had strong reactions to this uh, pointing out how rich it was that a man who himself chose not to have children is now saying how much everyone needs to have kids. And then also, and this has a little bit of a dark wrinkle to it. um, The irony of, uh, you know, he represents an institution that has grappled with child abuse. So the irony of, of him criticizing people for not having kids. Uh, so here's some, Oh, here's my, my favorite, my favorite reaction though was <laughs> someone uh, tweeted, I have no idea what you're talking about and neither does my son. And then it was a picture of a Sphinx cat in a wig. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Right. Yeah. I get with so it. So just a, yeah, but just a lot of people making, uh, sort of tongue-in-cheek references to like oh you know they need more children and then also like he put his career ahead of having kids so I don't know I think this uh I I think there was probably a time where you could guilt people into thinking they needed to procreate but I think everyone's like a bit wiser now and and recognizes that it's a a little bit more of a complicated calculation these days yeah And I'm wondering what you think about this. He kind of alludes to the fact that you're only going to be 100% completely fulfilled as a person if you have a child. Mm -hmm. He's saying that that's kind of the, you know, the peak of humanity is being able to be a parent. And I don't, I personally, I don't really agree with that because I had kids late in life. And I got to say, I was probably a, a fulfilled person. Before I had a child. Um, But there are some people that their entire identity is based around the fact that they have kids, right? Like, the people who on Facebook, their picture is their kid. That always (laughs) creeps me out. I just feel, I just always file these people under, they don't have any hobbies. So, like, their kid (laughs) is their hobby, you know? Right. My kid is just somebody else who lives in my house. And, you know, I tell them, hey, don't put your finger in there, you know? Like, it's not, I'm not. I don't have on my, I don't have a bumper sticker on my car that says, uh, you know, Declan's daddy. You know, right. Well, what about your wife? I, I, I don't think that she bases her entire identity on that either. I think, mm-hmm. you know, and she's an educator and she works with kids all the time. So I think it's just a, a it's. I, th- I think it's filed under that. Obviously, right. we love the kid and. I think the most fulfilling thing about having a child is not really parenting because that's a lot of just grunt work and (laughs) spit and not being able to go to the bathroom for more than two minutes without the kid banging. Like my kid, he comes at the bathroom door like he's the LAPD at six in the morning (laughs) in South Central. Like, like, at least mine, mine don't even knock. They're not even at the knocking age yet. They just come in. Oh, you got to rear them better than that, you know? I know. But I but what I didn't realize before having kids is how much uh I love my kid. Just I like I like having my buddy, you know? Yeah. Like he's he's my he's my he's my roll dog, you know? <laughs> uh I like I like the kid and that's why I I parent him because I enjoy his company. It's it's one of those things like, well, if you want to keep him, you're going to have to like make sure he goes to school and stuff and, you know. 
So that's right. that's how I see parenting. And 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 I tend not to talk that much about having a kid around my friends that don't have kids. Like I just don't bring it up because I think that's I think some amount of that is good because yeah. uh, otherwise then you're that person that never shuts up about their kid. Yeah, uh, or the the person that needs to put like 15 photos a week on Facebook about their kids. <laughs> like anybody cares, you know. So you know, I my my podcast I do with Greg Fitzsimmons, Childish, where we. It's like I always say it's a parenting-ish podcast because I say like half of our listeners don't have kids. But we we take questions from the audience, which is funny because neither of us are are experts, but uh, but we pretend to be. But anyway, uh, people often will ask will ask us, you know, should they have kids? That's a common question, and my I feel pretty much across the board, having kids is great for people who want to have kids. But mm-hmm. if you don't want to, do not push yourself to do it. It's a hum I mean, it is a humongous undertaking and yeah. it changes your life entirely. And I, I always knew I wanted kids. I'm so glad I have them. I can't imagine my life without them. And it's probably my favorite thing that I've, that I've done. Uh, it's definitely up there, but I don't think that that that's my experience. And I wanted them. Um, you know, I think that if you, don't want them that is also entirely valid and you shouldn't feel pressured yeah uh i'm i'm with you with that and the problem is it's the people that have kids when you don't have kids yet that are like there's no way i could explain to you the joy or this whole <laughs> right. thing and it's it's like the whole you know the buddhist proverb about the uh, frog explaining to the tadpole about dry land mm-hmm. kind of thing and that I don't like. I that that always bothered me when people got that way with me. Right. Or here's a here's a weird one that I got one day. Now I only have one child, and we'll only have one child unless you know whatever virgin birth or something. Um, <laughs> but what what are you saying? <laughs> I don't know. But I had a woman, and this I can't believe it. I was on a, they want me to have two kids. Cause so they say there's some people who have the opinion that only having one child is like cruel because right. your kid is like an only child. Right. Mm-hmm. And they won't have something to play with or they'll be lonely or whatever. And I get that. But this one won't have someone to complain about their parents with. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> this woman came at me from a whole different thing. I was on a party bus. This was like before the pandemic. And I was talking to this gal. I had no idea who she was. She was like my buddy's, I don't know. I don't know how he knew her. But we got on the topic of kids. And she was like, I have two kids. And I was like, I have one. And I'm only having one. And then she said, well, we need more white babies. Oh, my gosh. Whoa. That was out blindsided. That's the... Oh, wow. Usually you only meet people where you suspect that might be what they're thinking, but they keep it inside and they say other stuff. She actually said the quiet part out loud to use a a phrase I see online. Wow. Ick. You know, it was of the era where the quiet part was just totally fine to say out loud again. And I was sitting there and normally... 2016? uh, Yeah, around there. And... uh, I was sitting there and I'm on a party bus. So I've, I've had a bit to drink, you know, Yeah. and it's loud. And Cause the you're whole... not driving. No, I wasn't. I wasn't. <laughs> yeah. And, um, Oh please. Everybody's going to be like, Oh, this show's terrible. Todd's a drunk driver. Like, no, I was saying you can have two beers. Anyway, <sighs> we're going to get an, we're going to get a review from this. Todd speaks yeah. inappropriately and he's a menace to society by drinking and driving. No. Yeah. So the, the, thank goodness he did the Borat voice and it ended the show. <laughs> so she says this to me and you ever have somebody say something and then immediately you just kind of disassociate. Yes. And you're like, did she like, and then she just keeps talking. I don't know what she's just probably saying, you know, right. lock her up just after that or something. I don't know. Charlie, Charlie Brown adult voice after that. And then in my head, it was like, whoa. More white babies. <laughs> what is happening? What do I say to this person? Like, do I get into it with her? I don't even know who she is. I like mm-hmm. I'm on a party bus. Is this the time for me to settle her hash? You know? So it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And then it was like, oh, we're getting off at Malarkey's bar. Oh, okay, get off. And then I kind of like forgot about it. And then it was mm-hmm. like the next day I woke up and I was like, 
oh. And I thought, man, I didn't really do anything about that. Like, I should have said something. But I was so taken aback. There wasn't a moment, yeah. you know, that I should have corrected and said, no, we have enough white babies. And, right. and I, I, would, I should have lied and said that my wife wasn't white and really just oh, put her in her place. That yeah. would have been awesome. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Well, were, did she have any outward signs? Aside from, I'm assuming she was white, did she have any outward signs of uh, harboring these beliefs? Like, did she have any tattoos that you noticed? Or was she dressed a certain way? I don't even know why it's important. I'm just curious. She was wearing a pointy hood, which was weird. <laughs> I thought I thought she, I thought she it was like a, a, a Catholic pointy hood, like... <laughs> The Pontifex wears. No, there was nothing. Oh yeah, I can see where you where you missed that. It was a big miss. It was a big miss. You know, they're like, yeah. don't, don't 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 sit next to Cindy. She's a Klansman. You know. Chastin Buttigieg calls out troll who left homophobic comment on twins photo, gets him fired. So a little bit of background, you know that. Chastin Buttigieg is the husband of Mayor Pete Buttigieg, um, the uh, transportation secretary. Chastin and Pete had a, had adopted twins recently, and so uh, Chastin, the 32-year-old husband of transportation secretary Pete Buttigieg, began this year by teaching a very valuable lesson to a hate monger after they left a homophobic comment on an Instagram photo of the Buttigieg's. Oh, Buttigieg's! Uh, <laughs> holding their twin babies, Penelope and Joseph. The post was soon flooded with positive comments as thousands of Instagram users admire the heartwarming snap. However, one commenter simply couldn't handle the sight of a happy family and left some nasty words for the Buddha judge in the comment box. Someone gave these, then centered, censored, you know, the, the Q word, mm-hmm. kids, question, holy S. So basically, he, you, he used, you know, I guess queer can be used positively in the right context. Like right. people refer to themselves as gender queer or whatever. But mm-hmm. this guy used it clearly it's in a, a disparaging, derogatory yeah, derogatory way, way. Yeah. And so Chastin wrote, "In the year 2022, you'd think these people would be wise enough to post their homophobia from an alt account, not one easily connected to their job." And then Chastin's followers got to work finding out where the guy worked, and the company said they'd have a conversation with him. Later, the guy was fired. Good. Yes. So this, I think it brings up an interesting conversation because at Upworthy, we've often had stories of like somebody doing something wrong and then, you know, there being retribution for it and the joy of good, you know, somebody got called out for doing the wrong thing or uh, posting something really inappropriate online or, you know, being homophobic or racist or whatever. But we also have conversations about it because we go okay is this person's offense one that could potentially end in them losing their livelihood over right Mm -hmm. like is the punishment going to fit the crime and is this story is going to be up and searchable for years um should that person have their name associated with that act for that long or is you do one bad thing or get caught for one bad thing um should you have to pay for it forever, you know? Um, right. It's a, it's a good, I think that's a responsible conversation to have. It's a good conversation to have. And in, you know, in this case, I just, the fact that the guy lost his job, I said good. And that was a, a gut reaction yeah. because his comment was so hateful. Yes. And also the fact that he's doing it from an account that has his real name on it, to me shows that he doesn't even care if people know that he's holding these hateful views so good he can lose his job i'm but i'm trying to think if i you know is there another what's the other side to that like you know there's this argument that but in this country we have free speech and yes the first amendment means you can't be uh you know the government can't come after you for this but your employer can say, I don't want to be associated with this. That's okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And also in the Constitution, it's it's written. It's not written, but it's like implied that like F around and find out. 
You know, like <laughs> if you say something, also part of free free speech is having to take responsibility for what mm-hmm. you say, and right. you know, don't don't write checks that you can't cash, right? Right, right. Uh, um, yeah, and then it, it's also the the guy's clearly a moron because he did this on a public figure's account mm-hmm. and somebody right. who has a tremendous amount of power. Right. So I'm like, okay, the guy's an idiot for going up against somebody with a tremendous amount of power. Yeah. And then I thought, is it a violation of that power to go be like sick the dogs on this guy? Right. Right. Or oh, that's a good question. Does somebody who's, you know, married to a leader, somebody who has is kind of a leader in the way being his husband. I was thinking like I think the better thing to do would be something maybe more constructive. With it, mm-hmm. like, if you say, hey, look, this guy's a homophobe. What if we all donate money in his name to the Human Rights Coalition or right. HRC or something kind of positive out of it versus let's, let's you know, find out where this guy works and let's go after him. So, yeah. But I think what he did was really hateful and terrible. I've just, yeah, right. Does the punishment fit the crime? Does everything we have to do end up being this kind of like, we need to get a pound of flesh out of, mm-hmm. out of somebody? And it was like Patton Oswalt. Right. Yeah. It, it's right. Because it does seem like his behavior was motivated by, like, let's show this guy that he can't be hateful in public. He's messed with the wrong family. Yeah. So I see what you mean about the power part of it. At the same time, it's hard for me to be sympathetic to the guy who said something hateful and then lost his real estate broker job or yeah. one contract or something like he'll actually be fine yeah yeah no you're you're totally right um but i, I reminded it was like Patton oswalt once like some troll was coming after him about something and was saying writing really terrible things and then he actually like slid into the guy's dms and started talking to him like hey what what's this mm-hmm. all about and right. it ended up being that the guy was like, look, this is how I get my joy in life. I have a terrible <laughs> life. And the guy poured out his heart that he was like just a sad individual. Mm-hmm. And then Pat Oswalt was like, OK, cool. How do we help you? What, what's the deal? And mm-hmm. kind of I think humanized the troll. And again, you, you don't want to humanize hateful people that badly. But it, it, it comes from something. Right. 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 Or like there's one thing. Do we talk about on the show where. John Mayer, my boyfriend, uh, somebody was writing hateful messages to him. Yes, we did that story. Yeah. So and uh, you know what? It might have been in our like pilot episode. Ah, got Maybe? it. Maybe I can't. Now I can't remember. Got it. Because it was it was one of the early shows we did. If it if, mm-hmm. it, if it was on there. Um. But yeah, and I thought that was like the constructive way to go about these things. Versus, I I think taking the high ground when you're dealing with a homophobe is probably. The best way to go. I don't know, but mm-hmm. well, yes, there is that power differential between the the you know troll, for lack of a better word, and the person in the public eye is something that oftentimes I think when you're the target of the hate, you, you know, like okay, I'll use myself as an example. If someone writes something mean to me, I might want to, I might feel hurt, and I might want to be like, hey, you can't treat me that way, and so I want to retweet it with some clever snarky comment or something and I've done that plenty of times yeah um but I have to remember that it looks sort of it can look petty of me it can look unfair I try to think like what would I think if I saw Oprah doing this and you'd think like not that I see myself like Oprah, but at the same time, to me, that's, you know, just to try to get a sense, like, that's the, you know, like, to take it to an absurd level. If I saw Oprah engaging with some eggs comment or something, I would think, like, Oprah, you're being really petty. Come on. Like, don't you have more important, you know, do you have to do this? Like, just let it roll off. Yeah. So sometimes I do feel that way. I love the fact that you compared yourself to Oprah. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, no, no. What? 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 Uh, I know what? you're. No. No. Bubble Clark. No. No. The thing. The thing is, I like the idea that Oprah is kind of held to a a paragon of yes. someone who spends their time in the public eye doing it correctly, and it's someone yes. we should look up to. I like that. I like saying. Correct. What would Oprah do? Yeah. You know. And W-W-O-D. what? O D. Would Oprah say get somebody's job, somebody fired, or would Oprah say on the next show? 
We're going to talk right. about homophobia for an hour. Would in- yes. And, you know. Right. So, so I don't maybe, know. Maybe, maybe, uh, is it, now you're saying Chasen. In my head, I say Chasen. I don't know, though. Like Jason with a C-H, but I don't know. But anyway, uh, Mr. B- Chasten Buttigieg, whatever it is, uh, he, I think he's like, nope. I'm not I'm not like Oprah in this situation. Yeah. And you know, that's fine too. I you know, I I just don't want to come off like I have sympathy for the devil in this situation. Right. I yeah. I I'm not I'm not pro homophobe or like, oh, give the guy a break. Not in any way. I'm just like, how do we deal with this cuz I don't know if that's the best. I don't think that's going to change anybody's ways, you know. Um, right. Well, it's like that story we were talking about. Just weren't we talking about Patton Oswalt and Dave Chappelle and Annie <clears throat> Renault's article uh, and where she wasn't taking sides, but she was just saying, you know, sort of the nuances of let's say you're friends with someone who has different beliefs. Th- this is I'll, I'll I'll tie this all together. You're friends with someone who has different beliefs than you. Do we have to cut people out of our lives? And the idea that by cutting people out of their lives, by rebuking them so intensely, it might actually be kind of radicalizing their views and they might, you know, go even further as opposed to if we if we sort of try to reach out to them, can we bring them back to reality? So if instead of, you know, someone voices something hateful and we get them fired, is that going to make them think, rethink their views? Or if we reach out to them with, with love and compassion, might that make them rethink their views and i don't personally know the answer yeah i think it also depends on who this guy was you know what he was like as a person you know their personality right it's time to rate your week have something great happen this week that you just have to share with the world tell us about it by emailing us at upworthyweekly at upworthy.com So, Allison. Yes. Scale of one through five. Why don't you rate your week? I am going to give my week a 3.5. I feel like I've done that before, and I'm doing it again. Uh, I can't remember what my specific gripes were last week, but I just feel so burnt out. Um, I want, I feel like I might be repeating myself from last week, but so be it. I wanted to head into this year feeling like refreshed and recharged and ready to tackle my goals and like it's January 1st, new leaf, here we go. But instead, I just feel like I've been going nonstop and I feel sort of apathetic and this, this you know, having two children under five, not really knowing in what way it's safe to be living my life right now, being a little confused with Omicron because it's supposedly mild, but at the same time, am I willing to roll the dice? And also if we do get a positive, then that's, there's just so much chaos in terms of like how you live, how you deal with it once you're, I don't know. So I've really been trying to avoid getting sick, although I know plenty of people who have tried everything they can and they still have not avoided it, but I just, it feels like the early days of the pandemic again to a degree. I can't believe we're here again. Um, and so I just, I'd say there's just some like very low level depression right now. And also I have cramps. Oh, <laughs> and that's a 3.5. This sounds like a 2.5 kind of week. Cause I could have yeah. given you a three, but the cramps 2.5. Right. What made it 3.5? Yeah, did some- you know, and also my husband and I are watching this show, Station Eleven, which all the critics think is like the best show ever. And it's finally gotten pretty good. But there are so many episodes in there where it was so slow. And I was thinking, come on, how can everyone say this is so good? <sighs> But it's one of those things where, like, we've watched a lot of shows that I wanted to watch, so now we have to watch this. You're right. It, this is a just a – it's a 2.75. Are you a better person than you were last week? I am. Oh, wow. <laughs> undoubtedly. Undoubtedly. Okay, so here's a story. Listen to this. Mm. And I have to – I'm going to let everyone know it has a happy ending. Okay. It's dark for a second, but it has a happy ending. We're at my okay. parents' house. Daniel goes to take the trash out. It's at night. He comes in. And I hear him talking to my mom and I'm like, what's going on? And 
while he was out there taking the trash out, he heard what he thought was brooms falling over. He heard like a clattering, but it was a rat who was caught in a trap. Oh. And yeah, but it was, it, it didn't, it wasn't uh, a, a mortal trapping, it, you know, a lethal, like the, it was just the rat's little arm. Again, it has a happy ending. Oh. So yeah, I know. So Daniel's like, what should I do? Should, and I'm like, ah, you know. And so I said, Can't, we got to release it. We have to read like it's not, you know. Yeah. Um. So then we we were like trying to as fast as we can like watch a video for how to open this trap. And so then I'm trying to find a pair of leather gloves because what if the rat bites him? Blah blah blah. And I finally find the the gloves and I go outside and he's like he's free. He had already done it. Oh wow. Um. He just I don't exactly know how he did it, but he just I think with his foot he just released the trappy thing. Uh, and then the rat just ran off towards the hills, seemingly uninjured. Um, so I felt really good about, I felt really bad about the fact that he had been trapped again, not my house, but I felt really <laughs> good about the fact that we had released him and that he was, he scampered off in a happy, non-injured way. Oh, good. So it didn't gnaw off its paw no, or no, whatever no. to get out. No. Okay. No. That's pretty good. Now, where was the trap? Was it in the in a garage? Or in was the it- garage. It was in the garage. But by the time Daniel heard it, the little guy or gal had dragged the trap outside. Oh, and was, okay. Like trying to. <laughs> I know. And Daniel said that by the time you know when he came back out there to release him, the rat was just kind of like sitting there with like a tired, frustrated look on his face. Oh, if you can imagine that. Yeah. <laughs> poor little guy it's really sad it oh i find it very sad and upsetting but it turned out okay good and 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 we're heroes in the rat world now that i imagine now they're gonna flock to your parents house (laughs) i know they're like they have they have pretty crappy traps here yeah oh and you how was your week uh i'm gonna give my week a 3.5 uh because it kind of had a high and a low in the same evening Mm-hmm. Uh, as as has been stated on the show before, I'm a season ticket holder for the Las Vegas Raiders, and I don't want to get into a whole conversation about football. But they had a game where if they win, oh, I see, like Allison, see her eyes just started going down. It seems like she's gonna fall asleep. Is she okay? Okay. Whoa. Oh, sorry. What? And the the game was if they win, they go to the playoffs. If they lose, okay. they don't go to the playoffs. So Got it. it was a super exciting overtime game, and they won. And this year has been a crazy year where their coach got fired for being homophobic and racist and misogynistic. Oh. But they had one player come out of the closet as the first gay football player. Another player killed somebody. The f- by- Wait a minute. The first gay football player ever? The first openly gay football player. Uh, in the Raiders or in all of football? In all of football. All of wow. the NFL. So really? that was a big deal. But I thought there was that guy who kissed that guy years ago, and it was a whole story. Was that not football? Right, but he never made it to the NFL. Oh, he was like he was okay. on the practice squad and never like played in a game or whatever. Got it. Um, wow, Michael Sam. So, and then yeah. one of the guys on the Raiders killed somebody, which was a horrifying thing because he was driving 156 miles an hour, like a star Jeez. player. So the team went through everything and managed to get to the playoffs. So that was really fun and exciting. That 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 put the week up to like a four, right? Mm-hmm. But I was walking back to my car. Now you're gonna you're gonna make fun of me for this. But I look forward to it. Yeah, and so I'm walking back to my car after the after the game, and I had parked at a golf course up mm-hmm. up the road. Now, I was trying to figure out how to get back to my car so I could drive home. So I, I looked at the Waze app. Now, the thing is with Waze, it tells you how to drive somewhere. It doesn't tell you how to walk there. Correct. So I, I ended up going down a road where like there was no sidewalk. And oh, it was, no. It was like, yeah, it thinks you're a car. Yeah. And they're like, why is this car so slow? Uh, <laughs> it seems you're in traffic. Would you like to send a report? Yeah. And, and <laughs> or it so- seems you're at a standstill. So yeah, we're gonna send the we're gonna send the the police because your car is not moving. <laughs> like, we're gonna send a tow truck, and so uh, it's like send it an over. And so I eventually the road 
Like when you're out in the desert in Vegas on the side of the road, they don't have like ice plant like they do in L.A. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have like these huge, bouldery, sharp, jagged rocks. Yeah. So I had to walk on the rocks, and they're oh, like no. on an incline. So it's like it's sideways and these huge rocks, and I'm tired. And oh boy, I'm wearing I'm boat shoes. <laughs> and because you know, official footwear of the Raider Nation is uh, boat shoes. <laughs> And so, um, and you no, know, I was not intoxicated because I had to drive home. So actually, I limited my beer intake because I knew I was going to have to drive home. Okay. So I'm walking back and I fell on the rocks oh. while all alone, and I landed on my my bottom, and I have a bruise now, like a big black bruise, because I fell and I bruised my butt. And I had this really low moment of like walking in the rocks and there's cars driving by and I'm all sad and I'm injured and I'm alone. I'm not going to make fun of you. I'm not going to make fun of you. And then I get this is really I feel sad for you. What was it that you said about the candy one that it was like super wholesome? Yeah. This is also wholesome and it's cute. Uh, a major new study says that at least 65 species of animals laugh. And this is by Annie Renault, and it ran on Friday. So researchers at UCLA have identified 65 species of animals who make, quote, play vocalizations, or what we would consider laughter. Uh, now, some of those were already well documented. So we've known for a while that apes and rats laugh. By the way, when I read about, and actually included in the story is a video of someone tickling a rat for science. <laughs> That's like what it's called, tickling a rat for science. Um, rats play vocalizations. Their laughter is at a frequency that we can't, can only barely hear. Um, but just the like, and then also they were saying that you can tell that the rat likes it because like this gloved hand comes down into the little rat um, play area and the rat and kind of tickles the rat and then the hand goes away and the rat kind of looks for the hand and they're saying you can tell that the hand is the rat's playmate. And it just made me so happy that we had released that rat and it made me feel so guilty for the way rats get treated in this world. I'm, I'm People with don't you. like a rat in their home. I don't look, I don't like a rat in my home either, <laughs> but they're kind you know, they get a real bad rap. Like they're smart and they're cute and they laugh. And they also, you know, carry the plague. Yeah, the, people always bring that up uh, when when you because I have often wondered like why am I so afraid of rats and mice? And then my husband will say, "Well, they carry disease." I'm like, I, I feel like it's deeper than that. I don't know. I think the plague thing is again, it's a it's it's a bit of a, a weight to carry because I mean the current crop of rats and mice, uh, you know, that that was generations ago. That, right. That, that was their forefathers that carried yeah. plague. The modern right. ones. How long do they have to pay for the sins of their forefathers? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So I'm with you on this. And the the problem is whenever I read these things, I get really sad. And I'm like, I'm such a terrible person for eating meat and for eating yes. animals. And it's like, oh, the cow laughs. And the cow has a very good sense of humor, actually, you know. Um, cows. <laughs> some, of the, some of the funniest jokes I've heard came from cows. Cows have such a good sense of humor that if you drop a Borat reference, they just, mm, like, they, <laughs> they're not. <laughs> no. No. Like, they, it's just a groan. <laughs> yeah, they, they like really good, like, sharp alt comedy. They're all into Tig Notaro, you know. Uh, but. Yeah, it makes me sad when the the more we learn about the animal kingdom, the more we realize, you know, how how close we are to them and how mm-hmm. we are a lot like them. And then I just feel like, oh man, I, I should have a salad next time. And uh, I feel, yeah, I have a lot of cognitive dissonance uh, as well. Um, so a lot, uh, along with a long list of primate species, domestic cows and dogs. So these are the animals that laugh. Um, Primate species, a long list of primate species, domestic cows and dogs, foxes, seals, mongooses, and three bird species are prone to laughter. Now, many birds can mimic laughter, but that's not the same as making their own play vocalizations. Uh, So this all ran in an article in the journal Bioacoustics. And uh, one of the researchers says, uh, this work lays out nicely how a phenomenon once thought to be particularly human turns out to be closely tied to behavior shared with species separated from humans by tens of millions of years. 
When we laugh, we are often providing information to others that we are having fun and also inviting others to join. Uh, Some scholars have suggested that this kind of vocal behavior is shared across many animals who play, and as such, laughter is our human version of an evolutionarily old vocal play signal. Wow. So yeah, it indicates like, hey, I'm not a danger and I'm fun. Unless, and I imagine you've had this situation, you're walking by a group of teenagers and those teenagers laugh. Then I don't take that as a signal that we're not dangerous and we invite you to play. That is always like, oh God, what are they? They're laughing at me. What am I doing that's embarrassing? That's how I feel. Yeah, that's the moment you realize you're getting older. Is you're like, oh no, group of teens, danger. (laughs) I know, teenagers are terrifying. One of them has a skateboard. (laughs) That's so true. I'd like to thank everybody for listening to Upworthy Weekly. (laughs) And I think everybody, have a wonderful uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Yes. And uh, if you haven't yet, please give us a review. And be sure sure to subscribe on Apple, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google, wherever, so you don't miss the next episode. Thank you, Allison Rosen, for spending this time with me. And I'll talk to you next week. Sounds good. Thank you. Upworthy Weekly was produced by Todd Perry. Follow Upworthy on all socials at Upworthy. Allison is on Twitter at Allison Rosen. And Todd at Todd A. Perry. That's Todd with one D. Questions, comments, or to tell us about your amazing week, email us at UpworthyWeekly at Upworthy.com. I'm Marley Balin. Have a great week.